see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Welcome everybody, Spit, the Spit Podcast, all things surf and surf related. Bobber Dodge, if you will, Scott Bass, David B. Scales. It's Sunday, it's July 8th, and here we are in the album surfboards showroom, surrounded by beautiful surfboards, and uh, it's neat to be able to look at all this great craft and to talk surf at the same time. Have you been here before? I have been here before. Uh, okay. cool. Yes. It's great. Uh, great surf shop, obviously. Beautiful aesthetic, as is all of Album's work. Um, so why are we here in this new studio, Scott? Because it's a Sunday, and the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center is closed. Our schedules had to adjust. Your and my schedule could only align this week on the weekend. And... Uh, Matt Parker at Album Surfboards was kind enough to host us, even though they're not even open. I'm hoping that he didn't um, hire Shiloh just to come be here for us. Well, regardless, thank you, Matt Parker and Shiloh and the people at Album Surfboards, because we're here and we're recording, because uh, next week we're, we have some scheduling conflicts. So, David, you were telling me you've been surfing a lot. We've both been surfing. The entire Southern California has been surfing. The surf here in... California, Southern California at least, has been really fun. We've had this combination of Hurricane Fabio swell with Southern Hemi swell, very steep Southern Hemisphere swell. In fact, both of these swells have been steep in their approach angle here in Southern California, 180 to 190 degrees, even steeper. And um, down where I live in San Diego, we miss, many regions miss that steep of a south swell. Up here in San Clemente and up into Huntington, where you live, sadly, it's, um, it's, it can pick up that steeper swell. <laughs> Had to get that in there. Uh, I've agreed with you for the last couple of years about your take on Huntington. I'm like, you're right. It actually sucks. I'm backing off that. I'm actually coming around to, even though I've been there for 10 years, and you would think that within that 10 years, I would have been, become a fan. Um, it's only in this final last couple of months that I've become a fan. It's a cultural wasteland, so I'm not going to defend anything that happens on land in Huntington. But I realized I surf by myself all the time. I can surf pretty much 300 plus days a year, probably 320 days a year. There's always waves. That swell angle that you're talking about, there's a lot of curve in the coast between like Laguna to Huntington to where almost no matter what direction or wind or tide, you can either find, if it's giant and super windy, you can find a nook somewhere in Laguna, depending on what's happening. And even in Newport, there's a lot of bend there. So if there's like a straight south swell, you can find a certain jetty where there's corners. Um, and then in Huntington, there's a wide variety of waves up and down the beach. So yesterday, so anyways, Huntington for life, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Good for you. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah, and honestly, don't come. Like, that's fine. Hang right. out in San Diego. You know, um, that's kind of my feeling <laughs> to you. And I've Chaz come, and I are going to have our little uh, campground peak, and you can enjoy the Does blown. Chaz surf? I don't know. Yeah. I've never seen him in the water. 
Uh, Does he surf? Well, he's, he dislocated his shoulder at Surf Ranch, so he hasn't surfed since November. Oh, you're kidding. No. Um, but I've spent a lot of time in San Diego, and I love it as well, and I always kind of like thought about maybe relocating. However, like I said, last six months, I realized, dude, I've got it. The waves aren't, that's the other problem. The waves aren't great in Huntington, but they're always surfable. Okay, now, well... Now, back to the swell. The reason I brought this up, right? We had Hurricane Fabia swell. It's been peaky and just super fun everywhere, and I'm sure it's been good in Huntington as well. Um, it's been fun to have this combination of swell and to have this much energy and have it be peaky at the same time. It was, honestly, yesterday I felt like was as fun as it gets. It wasn't like the best waves ever. It wasn't yeah. the most challenging, but it was as fun as it gets. It was head high, warm water, peaky but not like you know it could be too peaky this was like peaky but like you could actually there was like a shoulder and line all the way to the beach like you could get it from the outside surf it all the way to the sand um surfed multiple times and just felt like completely exhausted my you know exhausted myself well hurricane fabio was i think it got to a category two hurricane so my question to you is David, the world has never seen a Category 6 hurricane. Do you think that the day may come soon when we see a Category 6 hurricane? I I mean, I don't have any evidence to think that there is. Do you? I do. I'm reading it right now off of my phone. Um, The consensus among climate change experts, um, one of them from Columbia University, is that there's almost unanimous agreement that hurricanes will produce more rain in a warmer climate, which is what we have. That's according to Adam Sobel, the professor of applied physics at Columbia University and director of its initiative on extreme weather and climate. Sobel goes on, there's agreement that there will be increased coastal flood risk at a minimum because of the sea level rise. Most people believe that hurricanes will get on average stronger. There's more debate about whether we can detect that already. The article goes on, David, to say no one knows how strong these hurricanes couldn't get, can get, as they're fueled by warmer ocean water. Timothy Hall, the senior scientist at NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies, said top wind speeds of up to 230 miles per hour could occur by the end of the century if current global warming trends continue. So, Category 6 hurricane, quite possible. Wind speeds of 230 miles per hour. That's like a, what they call an F4 tornado. Crazy. The type of speed that can pick up a car and throw it around. Um, so, you know, coastal or um, global warming, it's kind of a good thing in the short term for surfers. At, and this is why surfers are the worst, because <laughs> we, we look at things through the prism of completely selfish can I catch more waves type of viewpoint? Yeah, Sad just, but true. We just hope that hurricane takes place uh, not too close to our coastline. Well, That's right, exactly. Um, where have you been surfing? I've been surfing San Diego, North County, you know, the beach breaks in and around there from Oceanside down to Del Mar. There's been fun, fast, peaky, peeling lefts, and... Uh, it's been fun to catch waves that have speed that, that offer you opportunities. So you're going left? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Dude, roll Go the on. tape from years, I mean, not no, only years ago, I, I but stopped. throughout the years. All right. You know, 
You what, claim what that do you, you don't. You claim that you never go left. No, I said I, I stopped going left when I'm 40 unless it's a good one. That is so not that addendum came no, no. late. You started by saying I never go left. And then years I quit later, going left when I turned 40. And then you got one wave at Surf Ranch or two. How many lefts do you get at Surf Ranch? Quite a few. Quite I a got few. And then you, yeah, and then when I brought it up, then then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, only on a good one. That's been my that's been my sort of my out my caveat for a long time. But do you go right on crappy waves? You I go right. Wait for good ones, no matter whether it's a right or left, right? That's true. But I'll take crappy rights. But I. Quit going left when I turned 40, unless it's a good one. So you haven't been going left for 20 years? No, That's I've been insane. catching lefts. <laughs> well, by the way, what are you... And what, what, you know, like, what determines whether it's a good left or not is all up to me. It's all subjective. <laughs> yeah. It's a good left for the day. This was the best left that I've seen in the last four minutes, so I'm going. Exactly. Uh, what have you been riding? I've been riding a bunch of different boards. Uh, I got a, when I was at Channel Islands, if, by the way, if you haven't listened to the Boardroom podcast, I did an interview with the general manager, Scott Anderson. So when I was up there, I purchased at full price a um, Rocket Wide. So I've been riding that, a 511 Rocket, Rocket Wide. Yeah, that's what it's called. 511 Rocket Wide. It's just like a wide trifin. A summertime board, a board for less than spectacular surf. And I've been having a blast on that. And at the peak of this last swell, I rode my Rawson 6.6 Impala, which is sort of a flat, but it's a four fin. A 6.6, just kind of like a high performance, like what most people would consider a step up or beyond. But for me, it's... It's, it catches a ton of waves when yeah. I have to move around, you know, and I'm surfing beach breaks and I have to get in and around different peaks and, you know, so yeah. i um seen a lot of the Channel Islands team talking about that rocket wide, praising yeah. it. What are your what are your thoughts? Give me the board. Yeah, no, I, I dig it a lot. Um, my son sort of has co-opted it. Everything, man. I know. All your he co-opted my wetsuits this morning. I was so bummed. I went to my wetsuit locker to pull my jackets out. And both of my wetsuit jackets were gone. This is a, why does he need two, first of all? Probably for a buddy. Or one was wet from yesterday, so he took Something the second one Something horrible like that. Well, that's a perfect segue for our sponsors, Neat Essentials. Yeah, I've been wearing my Neat Essentials trunks, which I love. Me too. I love the trunks. And I've been swimming lately. I've been going to the pool and swimming. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I've been wearing my Neat Essentials. My buddy's like, get a Speedo. I'm like, dude, I've got my Neat Essentials. I'm not trying to set, like, speed records here. You know what I mean? And I don't <laughs> want to see people to see my shriveled, my shriveled package, you know? It's getting smaller as I get older. Why would I wear Speedos? Is that a known? Is that, like, a biological thing? Does that In happen? my case, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how far the, uh, uh, how big the test pool is, but. Well, um. So neatessentials.com, shout out. Not only board shorts, wetsuits, all that jazz. Your son's been stealing, but he's also been stealing your sunglasses from spyoptic.com. So right. they support this show. So listeners, whenever you need any of that stuff, definitely neatessentials.com and spyoptic.com. And if you do buy on Spy, use our promo code podcast, and they uh, support the show based on that. You know so. what I did? And I, maybe you can join us. It would be fun if you could. I booked, a tr- I booked a ticket to Waco to go surf. 
So in, really? in August, I won't say the dates, but okay. in August, I'm going to Waco. Okay. And it's a hit and split mission. And if you can go, let's talk off, yes. off air. It'd be fun. Totally. It'd I would be cool. Love to go. You know what I mean? Like, let's just do it. When you say hit and split one day, or are you yeah, spending I'd the night? Yeah, fly in, spend the night okay. near the airport, wake up, drive to Waco, surf all day, fly back to the airport, get on the plane, and be home by 9 o'clock at night. Are you... Uh, you're just doing group sessions? like Yeah, I purchased two pro-level sessions and one intermediate session. And what do so you that's get? three hours. Um, back-to-back pro sessions, then a break. Probably meander around this, this, um, this, what is it called? BSR? Cable park. Yeah, the cable park. Check it out. So, um, and then surf an intermediate session. Immediately get out, jump in the car, jam to the airport, and fly home. And what do you get in that one-hour session, in the pro session? Do you paddle battle for waves with other people? Or I don't do they limit know. Number I, of people? I, that's a good question. They weren't, it wasn't very clear how many people are in the water. Mm. What they said is, we pump out three waves a set. There's a set about every minute, I think. Mm. And something like the way Shane Magnuson's video mentioned it, like, you'll get plenty of waves. Don't okay. worry. And I imagine there's probably 10 guys in the water, maybe more. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not too stressed about it. Um, I think I think the nature of the beast is everyone has to be cool. And you just, t- you just it's an order. You know, like who's next? Like you paddle up and you're next, you know? Yeah. And we'll see how it plays out. I'm not stressing it too much. Normally, I would kind of freak out about that. But I don't know. I bought two pro sessions. and Yeah. Um, do you know what BSR stands for? BSR Cable Park? No. Do you, I hope? Barefoot Ski Ranch. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. Then I do. Yeah, do that, you remember that? Yeah. He was doing... He The guy, the eccentric, uh, wealthy dude yeah. who built the place was into that barefoot skiing behind like the 1985 boat. 1985 or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Speaking of surf parks, I've got some surf park news, like a little update that may be an update, it may not. But here's what I know. That... It is the Kelly Slater Wave Pool Company, as you so rightly suspected and deducted, in in Japan. So we know that there's one going in Japan. And the update is that it's actually KS Wave Co. Yes. How do you know this? Through parking lot innuendo. Okay. All right. I don't have confirmed proof from KS, but parking lot innuendo tells me that it is. More parking lot fodder has told me that there's a group building... A wave pool in the desert. I'm going to suggest to you that it's in the Coachella Valley near a golf course. They're building a hotel and or living accommodations there. And surrounding that already exists a golf course. And they will be building um, a wave pool there. I do not believe that it is a Kelly Slater wave pool. I believe that it is some other technology. My, I'm deducing that it's American Wave Machines or a wave garden because those seem to be the two that are that are viable that are have proof of concept there's also um in regards to kelly slater wave pool company they had the green they had the ability to start digging in florida they had the permits all lined up and the city council people were all ready to green light this thing west palm beach and the kelly slater people let those permits pass without acting on it. And so I'm deducing that, this is where I'm deducing that Japan, Kelly Slater Wave Company is like, and by the way, this is just me making, like coming, trying, like, to, connect trying to connect dots. dots. Yeah. Thank you. 
they've got one ready to go in Florida, but why aren't they pulling the trigger on that? And that's because they've moved all their energy to Japan to pull the trigger on Japan, and they don't want to do two at the same time. They'd rather do one right, especially in Japan. So I think they're moving a lot of their energy towards getting Japan right, and they feel like they've got Florida in their back pocket, and they can turn on the permits and grease the pockets or whatever needs to happen there whenever need be. Especially based on the success of the Olympics. But I would suggest to you that the people in Florida are probably like, oh, it's too bad. Right. But the land's been purchased. They just don't have shovels in the ground in Florida. There's probably a limited amount of resources, too, that you can devote to these things, you know? Certainly, Certainly you want to focus on one more than the other, but also just... How much capital and people capital and engineers and, yes. and professionals do you have? Yeah, you want to you just – you probably right now are only ramped up to do one yeah. at a time. Yeah. And the one in Australia, the crazy one, the Barton Lynch Aki one, I forget what it's called. Surf Lakes. Surf Lakes, thank you. That one, my sources are telling me, is just like crazy. Like, like it's either going to be the, the grandest yeah. wave pool of them all or it will be like – the hugest hole in the wall nightmare like hole in the ground i mean where it just failed like it could be a monstrous glorious failure or it could just be incredible but the amount of water the amount of energy the amount of like technology and engineering that's never been done before like if it breaks like let's say it works for a month and then just breaks like there's only like one guy that can fix it, you know what I mean? The other, yeah, the other thing that worries me about that too is how forthcoming they've been before building anything, you know? So all these other companies keep all of that information top secret until they've got that proof of concept, then they're willing to discuss it publicly. The way that Surflakes has done it, they're just like showing you their hand every step of the way. It makes me feel a little apprehensive. It doesn't feel quite as... Um, I don't know, every I dotted and every T crossed. But I will read a little bit about that for listeners, the Surf Lakes thing. They said it should be up and running in two months. It's in Queensland. The town's called Yepin, I guess. Oh, Yepin. Yepin, are you familiar? No. Okay. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it's north, basically, of the Gold Coast. Cool. And it's going to be invite only. So that two month, the one that's going to be built in two months is their test facility. This isn't like the one that's open to the public. This is a test facility. And as you're mentioning, the technology is different than everything else. It's basically a plunger. Massive plunger. Massive plunger in the middle of the pool, um, which sends out concentric wave rings to eight surrounding reefs, all custom designed for different rides. So this big plunger just plunges and it pumps out the swell but the bottom contours are all built in advance. So when that swell hits the bottom contours, reefs, it makes a certain type of wave. So it's everything from beginning waves to soft points to wedges to slabs likened to a mini chopu. And again, <laughs> this is so all cool. not done on scale yet. This exactly. is all based on small scale models. So they said ours is basically a plunger type operation at the center of the pool, which drops into a large volume of water, creating a mini tsunami or creating a tsunami, which comes out of the shallow water and into deep water quite quickly. And we get the wave breaking around that on reefs that we've built. This particular pool will have eight waves, um, four peaks, and we can create create those waves every six seconds. The pulse will be between five to six waves in a set. Then there'll be a short break. Then we'll go again. 
It's going to be awesome. Like if they pull it off, I think it's going to be monumental. But there's just so much scary like downside if something goes wrong. Well, the reason why the amount of water they're pushing around is just insane. And they've gotten some dampening effect to where there's no um, backwash, yeah. or so they so they think. But here's the reason that I think it's scary that they're sharing all this information in advance is. Nothing ever goes according to plan. I don't care how small your business is, how big your business is, nothing. And something like this that's never been done before, even more things won't go according to plan. And so when you set customer expectations, especially in today's world with the internet, the customers, potential customers who either get on board or maybe they're just critical of what you're doing, they revolt against you. Take lessons from the Facebook rollout at JBay, which I'm sure we'll talk about in depth in this episode, it's like people, the customer distress that you will create by setting expectations for what's going to happen is almost irreparable at some point, you know? So you, they'd be wiser. It's actually a very, very common business practice to not show your hand up until you have proof of concept, you know? And then once you have proof of concept, Invite only. Just bring key influencers to come in and feel hyped about it. Treat them really well with hospitality so that they have a good experience. Let them go tell the masses about it. Doing it this way feels very, very scary. If I was an investor or business owner in this, I'd be like, eh, this might not be the best strategy. And, and speaking of proof and concept, the way that Kelly's wave was rolled out was done perfectly. Exactly. Like if you're going to mimic something, totally. I know you're not going to, I'm not saying mimic the engineering, I'm saying mimic the marketing. Mimic the way they told us because we were all biting the hook. The tease yeah. and the slow reveal. Yeah, and again, that's common business practice. You know, that's not Kelly didn't invent it. It was just, yeah, this is what you do when you have this much on the line and this much not sussed out from the engineering side. I've also heard there's another one in Japan, another group, totally different group that's been trying to build a hotel resort accommodation around a pool that's moving forward aggressively that's acquiring land doesn't um isn't necessarily trying to get the olympics to be at their pool but do want to open it prior to the olympics so that they can kind of um you know feed upon the excitement yeah. around a, a wave pool yeah. and so there's two in japan and one in the desert that's at least nine months away from getting permitted and um, and that guy also told me that he's most interested in seeing the Wave Garden Cove, which is in Spain. It's a very small little thing. Like he's really excited about what that will look like if it's in a facility the size of, say, Waco's, yeah. where we're looking at massive acreage and what that Wave Garden Cove can do is could be pretty cool. So there's so much good positive energy around the wave pool uh, experience and the wave pool industry and i'm just excited about it and, oh by the way i've been i'm going surfing in the ocean too it's it's not like some zero-sum game that everyone freaks out oh wave pools suck yeah okay don't go there i don't care i know i feel like that conversation that was the prevailing conversation for the first year of the ks waveco is going to look so silly in hindsight the, the idea that the wave pool then somehow challenges and jeopardizes your ocean experience. This person, too, has been to Waco and said, man, it's killer. And Everybody that has. It, yeah, that it's really, that it's, it's really the model competitively, and, and it's the model that everyone feels more, 
I don't know. I, I guess they're more stoked on it, but I'm thinking you and I are pretty stoked on Kelly Slater's wave pool is insane. Like it, that's such a fun wave. Of course, but it's not accessible. Well, right. You it can't is go for surfing. money. If you have the money, it is. But it's I think not that, practical. It's not practical. The thing that I think is so exciting about Waco is that there's three waves a set and there's lots of waves coming in. Yeah. Whereas Kelly's thing, it's like, if you feel very Orwellian, like yeah. one minute to wave, and if you blow the wave, you get no more chances. So good luck. You know, like there's this heavy weight of you better perform. And if you wipe out, that's it. Sorry, yeah. your ten thousand dollars is done. You flushed it, you know. So what? Uh, how much of your booking the trip to Waco was influenced by your interview with Willie McFarlane on the Boardroom Podcast? Did he gift you? I got nothing from him. He doesn't even know I booked. Oh, this was purely okay. a father son trip. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going with my son and my other buddy is going. My my son's buddy is going with his father, who's also a friend of mine. So it's like we're all going together. Yeah. Um, same flight, same okay. hotel, same, we're sharing a car, we're driving there. This is a father-son trip. Awesome. They don't even know I'm coming. Awesome. Which well, I think is good because it's going to give me, I'm going to have more of an objective viewpoint on it. Not that it I'm all, not always completely objective. Of course, of right. course not. Um, by the way, your plans keep getting thwarted. In your interview with him, you asked him outright. You're like, so how do I get an invite? And he's like, feel free to book a ticket. <laughs> then with your uh, Channel Islands interview, you had to pay full freight for the rocket wide. You got yeah. to be getting something out of these interviews. You got to no, get them to hook I it up. I don't know. Dude. I think that you I get think a fireball better. Fish or a, I'm, I'd rather pay full pop and not have any strings attached than at this point in my life. It's it, better for everyone. Okay. I love that you're taking that stance now that you had to pay full pop. But if you were at Channel Islands and Scott was like, here's a gifted board. I would certainly take it. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just checking. Keeping it, keeping it real, dude. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like I paid full retail pop. I paid full, uh. I paid full <laughs> wholesale pop. Like, they didn't lose money on me. You know what now I'm saying? You, now the truth comes out. When I, the truth has always been out. I said full pop. I didn't say wholesale or retail. I have a resale a license, thing. my company. Oh, I see. Truth is a funny thing. Um, the de defining of truth is a funny thing. Here's the other question. When I was up there years ago, they had a room. Yeah, that the was Blum like, room? Yeah, the Blum room. Yeah. Is that what they had? No, I should have gone in there. But they, they still didn't want me that? to have a Blum. They're like, dude, yeah. just buy one that's like looks sweet. Yeah, but the blems are like... I know. You can't even notice. Minor, I should have... You know minor. what? I should have got two boards. In hindsight, I should have got two boards. Yeah. Like one blem and one killer one. Yeah. Because there's no function... There's almost never any performance difference with the no. blem. It's just like the logo, whatever. Just yeah. like... Yeah. Um, all right. Well, cool, dude. What else? You. This is the most thoroughly... The most thorough notes I've ever seen you have. You have like 20 pages of notes. No, dude. no, no. I grabbed a bunch of stuff off oh. the printer that doesn't belong in my notes. <laughs> Again, it all have, snaps into focus. I do have. So the one page that's in your hand no, is related to today's show. three pages of notes, <laughs> Okay, dude. got it. Come on. Got it. Okay, sorry. I thought you were going to be reading a novel Look, to us today. I thought it was story time with Scott Bass, new you podcast. You mentioned Facebook. Do you want to talk about that? Well, we might as well talk about J-Bay, which turns into Facebook gate. It's the biggest topic. Which of... turns into Stridergate. Oh, I don't know Stridergate. Well, let's start with Stridergate and we'll okay. roll into Facebook Gate. So Strider 
put something on his Instagram account that I'm going to read for Which you. was my must-see moment either last week or the week before is Strider's Instagram account. Yeah, that was insane. I don't think you – that must be with the grit. Do you have no, 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 that was with, with you. Remember I yeah, read well, that when story? Because he, he, he went to Namibia. Nam, Namibia. Namibia? I can't say this. And I'm trying. <laughs> okay. My wife has scolded me. She looked it up. We phonetically practice it. It's spelled N-A-M-I-B-I-A. Namibia. Namibia. So it's not any sort of racist. There's no. Turns out it is racist. <laughs> no, I've got not. this is. I've got a whole segment of this exact topic in my show notes, <laughs> oh, but we'll tease it and we'll come back to it okay. later. We'll tease. Turns it. out it's not racist. I, I had a native. I had a native Namibian email me chastising you, but we'll get into it later. <laughs> this is it. Native Namibian. Just because I'm phonetically challenged? I just mispronounced Yapon probably as well. So right. it's... Look. Uh, anyways, we'll get into that. Strider's but go ahead. Brazilian yeah, yeah. Storm Instagram post. So this is going to be word for word. I'm reading what Strider wrote. So that you don't get vilified for... <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. Oh, okay. I'll get. Let me read it and I'll give you my take. This is from Strider. Brazil is completely freaking dominating the WSL World Tour with five out of the six event wins. Felipe Toledo, Italo Ferrara have been winning with some of the best performances we have ever seen in surfing history. Let me repeat that. Best performances we have ever seen in surfing history. Surfing faster, cleaner, and more radical than ever. William Cardoso went on a dream run through the Bali leg turning his dreams into a reality. If any other surfing nation was dominating this hard, the world would be all over it. Mad props to Brazil. Congrats on an amazing run so far this year. Hashtag via Brazil. So that's from Strider. And I'm ending quote there. And he got quite a few comments. A majority of them from Brazil. Um obviously agreeing with him and giving him mad props for acknowledging something that I will opine, frankly, is the truth on many levels. Uh, watching Philippe and Italo and Willen surf this well, specifically though, more Philippe and Italo, um, it has been incredible. And it has some of, been some of the best surfing we've ever seen in the history of professional surfing. There is no doubt. There is a, two caveats, caveats that I have to this, though. One is it's all relative. In other yes, words, if you saw Parco or um, actually Parco, you know, Parco won Jay Bay as a rookie, not even as a rookie, as a wild card when he was like 18 or 16 or something. 18. I interviewed him afterwards for Surfer Magazine, and he was just a pup. He came through the, through the trials to win it. Or maybe he was given a Billabong wild card. It was card. a Billabong wild card. But anyway, that was pretty impressive surfing. The speed and the flow and the style that Parco had, he continues to have. Uh, but my two caveats are this. So I mentioned relative to context, if you saw Andy Irons in his prime, or you saw Mark Richards in his prime, or you saw Kelly Slater numerous times, that at that point in time in history was incredible it was paramount was at the it was at its apex it was the top and so we've just seen a new level of that exactly it's always improving right exactly so that's my one caveat the other one is i do not 
Well, Felipe's and Italo's surfing is incredible. I do not want, and I will repeat this, I do not want a world champion, and I don't think any of us, and I don't think the WSL, and I don't think Strider wants a world champion that can't cut his teeth at 10, eight to 10 foot chopu, which is about maxed out size-wise, or at 25 feet jaws, or at Mavericks, or if they have, they should bring back an event at Sunset Beach. There needs to be a well-rounded world champion that, that we all know in our heart of hearts can absolutely dominate when it's massive and heart pounding. And when you're not riding a 5.9, you are forced to ride a 7.6. That is when, um, you know, the truth, the cream will rise to the top. I would rather Kai Otten be our world champion and do it because he was forced to dominate at massive J-Bay, six to eight foot J-Bay, but also had to put, you know, his medal on the line and win at eight to 10 foot Chopu and have to surf a CT event at Jaws or Mavericks and dominate and, and get through, you know, I'm not saying you have to win at Jaws or Mavericks, but I'm saying that to win your world title, you have to put up a fifth yeah. or a ninth even, but yeah. you have to go out there and do it. And I have yet to seen, and I'm not saying they can't, and I think especially Italo can, and I hope Felipe can. I would love it more, more you know, I would be so stoked if Felipe could put all this to rest and go out in massive chopu and dominate and then surf the eddy or, you know, prove to us that as a world champion, we know that you can not only wax up a 7.6 or an 8-footer, but be comfortable out there and dominate the way that John John Florence can or Bruce Irons can and these other high-performance surfers, uh, those two come to mind. Yeah, I think you are talking about two slightly different things. One no, thing I is not. well, one thing is a restructuring of the world tour to add those big wave events and that's a valid argument, but in the scenario that we have now, I think the more kind of salient argument is Felipe needs to be able to win at Chopu and Pipe. He needs to be able to do well at those he needs to be able to not lose in round three at those venues to be a world champ. That's really what we want to see. Given the tour schedule stops that we not have. Not if round three isn't, I'm sorry to interrupt. I get chastised through email a lot. Not if round three is in four foot chopu. If he loses in round three at four foot chopu, or if he advances in round three at four foot chopu, it doesn't matter. It has to be yeah, heart pounding. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So, but that's the point is, um, you, we, we're all in agreement we want the well-rounded surfer. And if he wins without doing well at those barreling left-handers, there will always be an asterisk next to it. Um, the person that you haven't mentioned yet is Gabriel Medina. Gabriel can win in all those conditions. He can win at J-Bay. He could win at Pipe. He could win at small piddly beach breaks. So he's getting a little bit overshadowed because what Strider said is actually true. The highlight reels have actually come from the Italo, Italo and Felipe specifically. But highlight reels don't always translate to winning the long race. And Gabriel Medina is just like super consistent semifinal finishes over and over and over again, which is why I think he's sitting in third place. Yeah, he's sitting in third place right now, but he's actually more primed. He always does well in the back half of the season, and he's primed for the uh, the South Pacific, big barreling waves, where 
Felipe isn't. Idolo has a lot of potential in those venues, but hasn't really proven it yet. But the other issue here that we haven't yet discussed is Julian Wilson in second place, finaled at Chopu when it was massive. He's a pipe master. So I think that's the where the real race is, not to get too far ahead. But. Let's table Julian because it's a great point, but I want to stick on this Brazilian topic. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree with you. I've got a question for you. First of all, let me say this. Gabe Medina, in my mind, should be doing better than he is, and he's in third place. He's such a freak. He's such an incredible talent. He is the best, most well-rounded Brazilian surfer. He only has one world title. How many world titles will you, do you feel Gabe Medina needs to capture before he retires or we look at him and go, you know what? He went soft on us. He started hanging out with Neymar. He started, he got too much too soon. He had the fire in his belly when he was younger and he became a superstar in Brazil, which he is. And there's been some chatter in social media, in the social media realm, that he's already kind of softened up and, and doesn't have the fire in his belly that he once had. How many, my question, David, how many world titles does Gabe Medina need to have when he's 36 years old and he retires from the tour, or let's say he's 32, to whatever? To shut down that conversation. Yeah. How many? Three. He, I would agree. He needs at least three world titles. If he yeah. doesn't have three world titles, he will have failed his potential. It's all based on context. So John John already has two. So he's got to do more than John John. And Mick has three. There's like icons in the sport who have three. So you got to get to three, I think. If he did more than three, it'd be like he'd be in the legendary category, you know. But um, are you surprised that he doesn't already have two? A little bit. Yes. A little bit. I would agree with that. But I feel like he's he's already behind the eight ball a little bit, like because now he's got these guys that are on his tail. Like for a while there, he was the Brazilian that was like, "Oh shit, this guy has got it all. He's got it all." Why hasn't he won two? You know, it is again context. I'm afraid he has set such a high level of expectation for himself and what he's capable of doing. Because I watched his J-Bay stuff with pretty, like, kind of a fine-tooth comb. And I was wondering, he made, he made I think, the quarters or the semis. And I was wondering, why don't I remember any of his waves surfed? So I went back and watched. I'm like, oh, Gabe did well in this event. And he advanced a position on the rankings up until third. He was in fourth. He's up in third. So I'm like... Why don't I remember any wave that Gabe surfed throughout the event? So I went back and I watched and I was like, you know what? His surfing is flawless. It's fundamentally so sound. Like the fundamentals are there in terms of bottom turn, top turn, in terms of... Um, He's almost got a parkoitis thing going. A little bit. In terms of a variety of maneuvers, all of it. It's like he's checking every box, yet I don't care. Yet nothing stands out to me. Yet this feels like a less exciting version of a gay by once new. So I think what it's does that more, speak to? It's more of a psychological Yours. thing. Yes, the viewing public, the judges, and the judges, which it's, says what? Subjective sport isn't sport. It's maybe athletic so. endeavor. Maybe so. And this is the problem with what we're talking about all the time: is that it is too subjective. When it, you judge, it is not a sport. You know. We've seen it happen. Another version of this, this is worth actually, any psychology students out here listening, do research on this. This would be an interesting thing to write your thesis on. It's happened in the past where, um, you know, Kieran, I remember specifically Kieran Perot, known for being a pipe master and maybe doing a couple of cool turns every once in a while. (laughs) 
stomped, just a stomped a double grab straight air in Bali at Karamas when the event was last there, and he got an eight-point ride for it. It was an air that Felipe, or whoever was on tour at the time with him, uh, let's say Julian Wilson, was known for doing aerials. If Julian did that same air, they would have given him a three. But because Kieran did it, they gave him an eight. And I remember also when Jadson Andre did his one radical maneuver, which was the air reverse, rail grab big air reverse, and he beat Kelly Slater at Sakurama that year with that same maneuver over and over and over throughout the event, just getting eights every time he did it. Then people stopped giving him scores for that, and then he showed up and started doing turns. All of a sudden, he was getting overscored for doing turns because nobody expected it from him, you know? And then everything kind of equalizes at a certain point. So it's all based on context of what you know from a given surfer. Um, and that's the problem is that there's no removing our subjective opinions well, about these surfers they can paddle out and you don't even refer to them by name you refer to them by jersey color the judges you know blue gets an 8.5 but they know john john's wearing blue they know that's john john florence they know they watch view from a blue moon and they've adored a surfing they follow him on instagram and they're big john john fans there's no way to divorce yourself from that well there isn't a way to divorce yourself but there is a way for the judges to remove as much subjectivity as possible and i hate to go there but it's this idea of compulsory maneuvers no matter what if you do x maneuver the minimum you get because you are so much better than the rest of the com competitive field is x whatever it is let's say it's an eight so let's say you do want something like the Ju that um felipe does or whatever you know no matter what just because he does it over and over and over again that means he's that much better exactly. than everybody else exactly. in the field. So a compulsory judging situation is something I think the WSL needs to look at because if it's if because because I think that Gabe's frustrated. I think Gabe Medina's surfing mm -hmm. insane. It's, he's like Parco. He's surfing so smooth, so good, so incredible that the judges are like, "Yeah, okay, that's Gabe." We kind of expect more out of him, even though what he did is far and away right. better than the rest of the guys in the heat. But it's not his best surfing. We'll give him a six. Or what you know yeah so it, it's got to be frustrating to, to gabriel that he's that he's like you know what screw it i'm making millions of dollars they don't appreciate what i'm doing i'm just going to cruise my way through thirds and fifths and ninths and whatever and i'm going to stay the course and i wonder if that's his mindset at some point he's got to be pounding his board going screw this i'm just going to hang out with neymar you know drive formula one cars and you know basically the the i know I'm the king of the world, and these guys don't know what they're talking about. These judges over here, they can't even do an aerial. Well, <laughs> right, and that would be very short-sighted of Gabe because the reality is what Gabe needs with that level of talent that he has is he needs opposition and he needs challenge, and it might not come in the form of a viable competitor, but it will come in the form of judges not understanding how to properly critique your surfing. The entire world not being able to psychologically wrap the brain their brain around what you're doing and that is his new challenge that's what he has to face and he's gonna have to be like madonna and reinvent himself he's gonna have to come out wearing a pointy bra next next event <laughs> well i i'm going to uh con here are some of the comments from strider's instagram about strider praising the power of the brazilian storm one poster wrote hey you know what you're forgetting how gabby and idolo canceled the margie's pro that was awesome it's putting a lot of weight on them they're not solely responsible for another wrote, yeah they're ripping but not at 15 foot sunset they don't dominate the grasshoppers can stay in the kiddie pool 
Not true. Gabriel shredded at sunset. I think they're speaking just to Felipe and Idolo and okay. Willen, who were mentioned in Strider's email. Okay. They weren't talking about Gabe. Watching Felipe Toledo during that contest was some of the most fun I've had watching a human being surf. So there was a many comment that was praising Strider's commentary. This one said, hey, Medina could be at the same exact place, but he's gone soft. He started hanging out with Neymar and other soft Brazilian elites and forgot that if he wants to be on top, he needs to work harder. And that came from a fellow Brazilian. So it's I, I, kind of, yeah. Whatever, people are being dicks. Like, Well, yeah, that's... That's what the internet that's is. What the but internet is. And also Strider's right in everything that Strider said. In this scenario that we've given these surfers to surf in at these locations with this judging criteria, Brazil's taking over. There's four of them in the top 10. There's no doubt. Now, let me ask you this. Would the current state of Brazilian dominance be as it is if Kelly wasn't hurt, if Fanning didn't retire, and if John John wasn't injured? Yes, except for the, maybe the John John scenario. Kelly has been getting smashed by these guys for the last couple of years anyways. Yeah. Mick Fanning, I mean, you can make an argument for Mick, but even still, I think they, they would still be dominating. I think they rise to the occasion. Whatever the occasion is that you present to them, they rise to it. So it could be Mick, it could be Kelly, they'll rise. Of the 42 surfers who have surfed on the CT this year, 15 of them are Brazilians, more than one-third. 14 Australians, more or less the same amount. Yeah. And so one suggests, hey, if you got 15 of you in there, if you're a third of the field, you better be dominating. Sure. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This leads me to this question. Are we going to get to a place where there are so many Brazilians and Australians dominating that the U.S. market loses interest in the WSL and loses interest in pro surfing? I don't think so. Could it get to a place where we don't lose interest but we're kind of not interested in the Brazilian tour. No. I mean, it could, what but way, it, it... And what we, what we would rather see, or rather what the sponsors would rather see, is an entire U.S. tour. And we have regional tours, like a U.S. tour, 
a Brazilian tour. They can do their own thing. There can be a WSL office in Brazil. There's an Australian tour. It's a CT. There's like four different CTs, a European CT. And we all get together at the end. We bring our top two or three, let's say four, to one region. Let's say it's the Mentawise or let's say it's Chopu, I think would be better. And we have a series of events at the end of the year, wherever it is. And we have this little mini kind of regional world thing. Could you see that playing out? And I'm not saying next year, but I'm saying in four years, five years. No. I could have seen it playing out 20 years ago. I, don't, I think that's a way outdated idea. I don't know anybody who cares that much about nationalistic pride. I say that right in the middle of World Cup, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But, think- but to my point, like, U.S. is out of the World Cup and people are still going to the bar at 5 a.m. to root on Sweden or England no, or England, whoever it was. Come on, England is our team. We speak English. Is today. it? Yeah. Kidding, of course. See, so I think you feel more nationalistic pride, so much so that you're now rooting well, for not in our country. It's not just nationalistic they speak pride. The same what language. it is is, and this speaks to your argument that we just like good sport, and that's, that's my why. Point. And that's why so, we watch Philippe. I agree. No, so, I, I'm, like, I'm agreeing I'm watching, with you. That's why I watch Philippe because I'm I'm in awe of what I'm he's doing. He's the incredible. World, the World Tour. I, and you've heard me advocate ever, this entire year when it comes to the Rookie of the Year race. I'm advocating Wade Carmichael, not Griffin Colapinto, even though Griffin is from the city that we're sitting in right now. I've seen him surf a ton. I've watched him grow up, but I still like Wade better. So there's, it's the style of surfing, the work ethic, all these other things going into it are what are influencing my decision, not nationalistic pride. So I don't think that that idea of fracturing off the tour based on uh, nationalism really is that interesting to anybody who's viewing anymore right you know i think it's a global if, society if, now and community yeah, and i yeah. don't know no i think you're right there's like a human right. just, interest element that's yeah. more interesting than the geography you know um how about this phil mickelson and tiger woods are in negotiation to have a 10 million dollar paid for tv pay-per-view i don't even know if it's paid for you but it'll be on national you know international television a one-on-one exhibition for $10 million. Winner take all. Two people. This is the model you and I have been speaking about for years. This is the model that immediately golf fans are like, that would be sick. Even though they're number 37 and number 49 on tour or whatever. They're in their, they're in their, you know. Twilight. Thank you. That could be something that, I mean, the amount of money that that's going to make and how quickly and, and, and from a broadcast standpoint, how easy it is to turn on and off. And, and the athletes are incentivized to do it. That's the other thing. That's the UFC model that we've been talking about for a long time now, which was a listener's idea, by the way. Um, that, I think, would keep athletes and viewers very interested if the WSL organized something like that in addition to the World Championship Tour. It could be a specialty event. But I think that would be super compelling. It actually dovetails. We could use this to segue into the Facebook conversation. Let's do that. But let me ask you, who are your top two guys? Who, who are the two guys that are, gonna, that are you'd, must watch you'd have to pick two hours? You'd have to pick a venue first because it would be a different guy for each venue. So the, so the waves are the real stars? Yes. Chopu. Uh, Gabriel Medina, John John Florence. Jay Bay. 
Shoot, so this would be an interesting one. I'd go Mick and, or no, I'd go Jordy and Felipe. Pipeline? Kelly and John John. Good answer. What would you pick for Jaws? Well, for Jaws, you got to pick uh, the reigning uh, Billy Kemper and John John. Yeah, I'd go Ian Walsh and yeah, Billy Kemper. That's maybe. probably a better call. By the way, John John stab. Um, but here's the thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But put out just like a rumor that he might be out for a full year with his knee injury. Like he has two. Um, I'm rolling my eyes at that one. Why? Well, the way that they reported it, he had two, this is all rumor, but two surgery options. One is like a surgery that he could recover from in like three months or something, but it's not guaranteed to fix the problem. The problem might recur. Or one that has kind of like a, almost 100% guaranteed back to full strength and mobility, but you need a year worth of recovery, and he's going to pursue that option. Look, what I was going to get at is when you think about any of these events, who moves the needle the most? Kelly. Kelly is going to move the needle. Kelly Slater's, if you put Kelly Slater in every one of those events we just named, no, not you, not you specifically, hardcore grinder, watch friggin' the women's tour, watch the women's QS guy. I'm talking about my wife, your mother, these types of people, just fringe surfers that are in the parking lot that ride wave storms that aren't even really, but, but if you say, hey, yeah, that big event at the big waves in Hawaii, it's Kelly Slater versus whoever, they're going to maybe be like, yeah, you know what? I want to watch that. And you know what that means? That means that the sponsors are going to be stoked to pony up for this. In other words, if you're a sponsor, you're like, dude, I'll tell you what, 10 million, it's on, but we got to have, we're not doing it without Kelly Slater. That makes a lot of sense coming from that point of view, from the perspective of the CEO guy. I think it's less relevant than it was a year ago, that conversation. The Kelly thing has increasingly less cachet. Because in With his, you, but I'm no, talking I think about... even in the general public, like I feel like his that limelight has slowly been shifted to the Gabriel Medinas of the world no. and John John Florence. You don't see Gabe Medina, maybe Gabe in Brazil, but you don't see John John Florence playing golf with, you know, like you don't see John John Florence at Formula One races. You don't see John John Florence like you see on him. on have his own like like. You Kelly see him is the on, world, the, at the, on the guys that don't know, Kelly is the guy. I think in your world he is. I'm not sure that's true everywhere else. Gabriel Medina has more Instagram followers than Kelly does, and he is hanging out with the celebrities. They're I'm just okay a with that. I think, I think, Kelly, and Gabe is, I think Kelly and Gabe is who we want at every one of those events. I think John John is in that conversation too. And I think Felipe is on his way to that conversation. Could be. You know? Could be. Kai Lenny is yourself, on his way to that conversation. Laird yourself, Hamilton. I think Laird Hamilton might have an equal amount of cachet totally as Kelly agree. does. I totally agree. If you to said it's Laird versus Kelly, you would freaking, everyone would watch that. Laird versus Kelly at Jaws. We would watch it because we have no other options, but if you no, gave the surf fans. Interested. I'm talking about you're absolutely interested. No, but if I'm, I'm saying if you gave two options, Kelly versus to who? Laird, to everybody, surf fans and non-surfers alike. Kelly and Laird in one scenario. At Jaws, or, at 25-foot Jaws. Okay, yeah. Or uh, what was the other one? Ian Walsh and Billy Kemper in the other scenario? <sighs> yeah, maybe Kelly and Laird. I'm just saying which which but twosome they, is going to turn on the sponsors to the point they're going to go, okay, let's do this. 
And they don't even know, you gotta, you gotta go, okay, well, here are the two guys. Let me show you Billy Kemper, he's this guy from Maui. Let me show you- No, Ian I get Wall. it, I get They're it. They're gonna go, dude, I want Laird, and I want Kelly, or I'm not doing it. My, my point is, if Laird and Kelly go out there and don't get barreled the way that Ian and Billy do, it's gonna look silly. I and agree. then you watch highlight reels of what Ian has done out there and Billy has done out there, and you go, shoot, why did they put these two old dudes in there? Like, that doesn't make, and sponsors, you need to come into it with a lot of direction and authority. And if you don't do that for the sponsors and tell them who the leaders are in the sport right now, you're failing the sponsors. If the sponsors just want you to put, although if you can pitch it in such a way, like the Tiger and Phil thing, it's like, look, these guys are in their twilight, so we're doing this as a fun thing, then that's one thing. You could do that with Kelly and Laird. This is a fun exhibition, but it's not going to be defining who the best surfer is at this venue. Well, first of all... Which is what you want with surfing, by the way. First of all, I think I think Laird would say no. First of all, I don't even know if he's capable. Laird's what? Like, he's probably 50. I think he'll take a paycheck, though, right? Yeah, but he wouldn't... Not to be embarrassed. I don't know. Are you kidding me? He takes the most embarrassing paychecks out of anybody. No, but I mean, like, to go out of Jaws and not catch a wave. Like, I don't know where he's okay. at. Okay, I don't know okay, where okay. he's at as far as... Can he actually ride 25-foot Jaws? Like... I'm sure he can. I mean, I, I'm not doubting it. I mean, I'm that's, sure good. Yeah, but he's not going to get barreled out there. Yeah, he's not taking off deep under the ledge and like knifing into it. Yeah. So Laird's an interesting one, but I, I I know that Kelly could. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting conversation to have, which is why we're having it. So I wanted to break down that Facebook thing, right? So J Bay happens. Facebook. Um, just to recap, I'm sure most people kind of are aware of most of this information, but. WSL struck a deal with Facebook at the beginning of the year for Facebook to be the exclusive home for all the WSL CT events, maybe all the events at large, I'm not sure. But um, it took a while for Facebook to figure out the tech side of it. WSL's promise was that it would be a better streaming experience than what they currently had. And they were hoping, essentially, you know, that they would garner new viewership. They would garner non-surfing fans, which is the elusive thing that all of the professional surfing has always been looking for. We have this core audience who loves us and supports us, but we need to be profitable. We need to be able to sell this to non-surfers, to people who don't live on the coast. So Facebook was going to be that magic thing. And their hope was like on this Facebook Live platform that we all watch on, we share it on our homepage and we comment a friend's name in it. So then they join the viewership and they watch it and they reshare and it grows virally. So... Facebook took a while, six months, to work out that tech, and ultimately they were going to launch this project at JBay. They decided to. Uh, it was the rollout was very, very poorly executed. Unfortunately, the stream was staggered and like buffering a lot of the time, especially for the first round, the first two days of competition. Sputtering stream. Um, there was no ability to go, or there was a limited ability. It seemed to be present in certain heats, but not in other heats ability to go back and look at previous scores from previous heats or even pull up scores from that heat itself. You could only see what was on the screen itself. Normally on the worldsurfleague.com, you have the screen itself, but then you could click around underneath without interrupting the stream and go to previous heats, to upcoming heats, to all that stuff. All of that was eliminated. What's worse is they eliminated the heat analyzer. Absolutely. So it was very unfortunate for us who woke up in the morning and wanted to watch a recap of what happened the day before. We weren't able to. You, you could either watch it live or they had the entire heat in its entirety on a like YouTube video. You could watch it condensed. 
or they had the condensed version. Which wasn't bad. Which is a 10-minute version. Right. It was like 7 to 12 minutes, depending on the heat. But the heat analyzer is gone, and right. that was the main viewing platform for everybody who didn't watch anything live. Exactly. And that was gone. because they. Exactly. So because of this sputtering start and all the... It was mainly the, the interrupted stream, I would argue, is the biggest issue there. If you are watching it live and it keeps buffering as if it's you know 2007 technology, yeah. this isn't what we were promised. And it's just not conducive to watching live, a live event, which is their sole kind of value. So everybody revolted. The internet revolted, whatever. Facebook basically conceded, or not Facebook, WSL conceded. They were like, hey, hey, hey. We're sorry, this didn't go as planned. Here's the heat analyzer. They gave us the heat analyzer back. Then after a couple of days, they said, hey, we're actually gonna just go back to the, our normal form. We'll also have it on Facebook Live, but they reinstituted. You could watch the invent live really? on, not only, they started with just the desktop version, but they've also now implemented the mobile versions. So the women's event is happening right now. They've had a couple lay days, yeah. but you can watch the women's event on your WSL app on your phone, oh. just like, and they're going, I think they're gonna continue to try to work out the deal with Facebook, but in the interim, go back to what people are used to. All right, well, Facebook gate, there's a lot there to digest. I'm gonna um, comment on another problem that you didn't bring up, but. The one problem is, another problem I should say, David, is if you don't have Facebook, you are forced to sign up for it and for all of its intrusive data gathering algorithms. On Facebook, everyone among your friends can see if you're watching and for how long. Even if you're at work, your parents, in-laws know, your family, your relatives, whomever, they know. If they're friends with you on Facebook, that you've spent four hours watching Facebook. Right. Which is a problem for a lot of guys at work. Totally. Many people, including Congress people, understand that Facebook is intrusive and believe that it's gone too far. And you can look to some of the election scandals. With Facebook, you give up this personal privacy and there's really no quantitative price that you can put on that. So if I have Facebook. You had Facebook, I think. Yes, I do. So it was not a big deal for me. But for right. the guy that was anti-Facebook, and oh, by the way, I've any of my friends are like, I don't know, should I join Facebook or not? I'm like, dude, don't do it. Right. I only do it because of my work. And if I could get off of it, I would. I, I, I would it's kind of like cable TV. I can't wait to snip it. So the idea that you had to sign up for it if you were anti-Facebook, it's, it's striking people... It's a wrong court. People well, are bombed. It's unfortunate that in the last six months that the WSL has brokered this deal with Facebook and they've been trying to get the tech up and running, the Senate hearings happened, the political scandal, nightmares. political uh, Cambridge Analytica thing happened. Right. So it's like Facebook went from just being kind of this, uh, it doesn't add value, doesn't take away value, it just is a thing nowadays. To now it has negative value. Now I think it already had negative but value. But now it has moral opposition and ethical opposition. Right. And like people are taking a moral stance to delete their Facebook page. Right. So that was very unfortunate for the WSL. The WSL did not know that was going to happen when they brokered the deal. So the feeling. Couldn't have even anticipated it. You know, like. Look, the feeling amongst many of us, whether it's valid or not, is that the WSL took Facebook money sold you and I and the guy that had to sign up for Facebook, this, this solid core fan base, down Mark Zuckerberg's twisting, evil, data-gathering Orwellian river. How do you really feel about it, Scott? <laughs> 
you and I believe that most of us would rather pay a subscription fee than get this WSL feed live on Facebook. And we know that the WSL has pondered the idea of a subscription base. I think that's fair to say. It is. And you and I have talked about what's a fair price for 11 WCT events plus some random specialty events like Jaws or Mavericks. What do you think the average guy, you and I... You and I would pay more than the average guy. The average guy. But I think the fair price... Over a year, per year. The fair price that like you could get people to sign... The mass, the critical mass to sign up for would be 60 bucks a year. I agree. And that's what I wrote. I wrote 60 bucks a year. So my next question is... I'm assuming that there's a million of us that would buy into that. Assuming there's like That's 20 a- million surfers worldwide. Let's say there's 4 million people that like pro surfing. A million of us would pay $60 a year, which is what, five bucks a month? Basically five bucks an event, more or less. I- which is what? 60 million. No, but how many dollars a day is that? Five bucks I don't know. Cents. It's cents a day. It's like 30 yeah. cents a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the WSL went for the Facebook model instead of, instead of the $60 million because a bird in hand is worth more than two in a bush. So how much is Facebook paying? More than $60 million? No, $15 million a year. Oh, they got $15 million a year. Yeah. You know this. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. should have done that. 30, $30 million over two years. $30 million. But go ahead. I'm not, so perhaps I'm, Facebook has a solid way of seeing WSL's actual numbers and they said, look, we'll, we'll grow your fan base for you. We're going to give you some vital data collection on each and every one of these people. We're going to provide turnkey streaming services and we're going to pay you $30 million over two years. After that, you can leave or we can renegotiate. And that's basically where we're at. But the, the gist of it is the, the people that are pissed, and there's many of them, feel like, Look, I would have just paid you. It Why was, not just do the right thing and well, make it killer on your own site? They're going to complain about that too, for sure, if they went to the subscription model. But I think, but not you and I, not the million guys that we're going to pay five dollars. Now, month. the the million thing is something you and I really need to discuss. Um, but let's. I'll get to that in a second. I think you're right, and this this Facebook rollout. Um, going the way that it did will ultimately lead to the subscription model. I think it was pretty wise actually of them to try to pursue that thing first with all the optimism in the world of we have potential to get to a hundred million viewers rather than 1 million viewers. Let's pursue every option we have to get to that. Unfortunately in there putting all the, the the chips on the table and investing into that it went sideways unfortunately or it certainly sputtered off sideways they're probably going to try to recorrect at this point but my question is is it even fixable because again you've created all this um customer distress Right. right animosity Facebook hasn't delivered the promises that they said they were going to. This was supposed to roll out earlier in the year, presumably at Snapper, but it didn't. It took six months to roll out, so I think that's on Facebook's fault. Probably WSL is probably going like, hey, guys, get your act together. Why hasn't this happened? Once Facebook did roll it out, it wasn't to the standards that the WSL had told us it would be. So I'm assuming that was also an undelivered promise from Facebook. So WSL is kind of pissed at Facebook at this point. Like, hey, you guys, we told our customers we were going to deliver one thing, and you guys have not done that for us. I think that 
the WSL hasn't delivered the amount of viewers that Facebook actually wants. If you look at the viewer counter throughout the event, it's atrociously low, you know? So I think that they're not delivering what Facebook wants. Fans have actually taken a moral opposition to watching for multiple reasons, either because of Facebook, because of being forced into it, because of whatever. So even the core fans have shied away from this initial launch event Maybe not from the whole idea as a whole. So based on this one case scenario, and then once it started to go sideways, Facebook pulled back half their chips and goes, oh, no, no, we're going to make it available on our website now. And we're going to make the heat analyzer available. So even guys like you and I, who might have stayed up into the middle of the night to watch it live because that was the only option, now we're not going to because Facebook gave us back what we wanted originally. So Facebook isn't getting the full version of what the WSL said they were going to promise. You have two people making a deal here who have not fully delivered the promises. So is the deal even fixable at this point is my question. And it's certainly not going to net the 15 mil that the WSL was promised or hoping for. So if it's only going to net, let's say, 6 mil, is the $6 million worth all of this confusion and distress that you've created? So you don't no, think it was not. guaranteed money? Well, it was never delivered. I mean, it, even if it's a guarantee and you deliver the project six months late, the guarantee gets changed. Yeah, I'm just saying that would be a bummer if they weren't guaranteed the $30 million over two years. Well, like, WSL guarantees give... it and then doesn't deliver the product for six months? Then the WSL has to renegotiate it. Right. You know? So... Well, I've got some emails about this. Okay. By the way, let me say before you get in, I think it's highly unfortunate that they launched it at J-Bay. Because, because of the timing. the largest viewing yeah. audience is in the United States where it's the most unfavorable timing. So I, as a core fan who watches every event, had to sleep through the majority of the live stream. And then I woke up in the morning going, that's all right, I'll watch the heat analyzer. Boom, heat analyzer's gone. You completely nullified my ability to get the content that I want to get. And I'm willing to do it on your standards. I'll watch the Facebook thing, but I'm asleep. Yeah. So give me one other option. And the fact that they stripped that other option from the core fan created a lot of retaliation. That was when I was at my most frustrated. When I woke up in the morning and went to the heat analyzer that didn't exist. And I was just, and then I went to Facebook and they're like showing, a, it was just frustrating. Let right. me read an email. The Facebook coverage needs desperately to be addressed to myself and a lot of people. It was heavily, it has heavily diminished my experience. Actually, not to be able to watch on the WSL app on my smart TV, but having to log on to Facebook on my TV just annoys me. And then another one, and they, I got a lot. I'm sure you did too. And they were all more or less, you yeah, know, of the same ilk. Yeah. Here's another one. I just have to say that the J-Bay comp only being broadcast exclusively on Facebook is a load of salty sea dog batter. I do not have Facebook and do not intend on getting it anytime soon. If you feel the need to have Mark Zuckerberg sponsor your broadcasting or your financial situation is in that poor of a state, you're only doing Facebook Live for this event, maybe you shouldn't have bought the rights to a failing competition system at the ranch. I was watching J-Bay through the app on my phone for the days before the quarterfinals, but it wouldn't work on my TV app, which was dismal due to needing Facebook. Please sort this crap out. Anyway, keep up the top works on the podcast. I will keep listening. Stay rad from a gent in Australia. So I think that if 
the Facebook rollout went flawlessly and it was a better viewing experience than what they were currently providing, that they would have probably netted more viewers than they lost. So the people that are sending those emails, unfortunately, would have got lost in the shuffle. But I think the net gain, especially over a long period of time, would have justified the transition. Considering that the thing, the, the rollout was sputtering, only validated those guys' criticisms. Those naysayers are now looking... Motorcycle driving by. Those naysayers are now um, validated in their criticisms, basically, which I think was the the most unfortunate possible scenario that could have happened. You know? Yeah, those people were just waiting in the wings to pounce on this, totally. and then like it was a perfect storm for them to just go, "I told you so." There was always going to be the moral opposition too. That it's like you cannot please those people, and it's fine. It is what it is because ultimately this is a business, and. They have to be profitable, and if this is one of if this is their plan to profitability and to be able to continue doing this thing that we all want, then so be it. But well, I got to say that my user experience wasn't that bad. Like, first of all, I have Facebook, so I was like, okay, whatever. I guess I'm going to try this out. Right, and and it it only got really bad as I mentioned when the heat when I realized I couldn't watch the heat analyzer, and I was like, oh man, this is lame. But I continued to watch condensed versions of the heats that had already happened. And most of it was okay. I don't watch Because I kind of had it in the background while I was working. They've they've always made those available to watch. And like I said, they're 7 to 12 minutes. And they're the highlights of... I think they're actually mostly every important scoring wave surfed. And then some of the commentary that might be relevant to the conversation. But I've never watched those because... I'm either going to watch in its entirety or I'm going to watch the the scoring waves only, like on the heat analyzer. The 10-minute thing, it it's neither here option. nor there. I know, it but it's your own. only option, exactly. So I think what we need to kind of discuss is the a reason they might not have pursued the pay-per-view model is I don't know that they have a million viewers who are going to give them 60 bucks a month. Well, I would agree with that. I mean, when you look at it on paper, the strategy isn't that bad. Like you of mentioned, course. they're like, hey, Facebook will get us up to speed. We're going to get $30 million. In the meantime, we're also going to get new users. We're going to have data on all of them. So we're basically, let's say we're going to have, I don't know, how many users do you think they were going to expect to get? Let's say, let's say we got 15 million users now that we didn't have. We have their data, and we're going to push emails to all of them and go, hey, pay-per-view is coming in two years. And 10%, 1.5 million sign up. Boom. Thank you, Facebook. You did your job for two years. You're True. out now. And I mean, like the strategy kind of makes yeah. sense. We got $30 million. We got 30 million viewers to potentially get 1% of them or 10% of them. And we're off and running. So let's talk about numbers. There's a viewer counter yes. on the Facebook live stream. You can see an eyeball up on the left corner and it shows how many people are currently viewing the stream. The number was very, very low. I only ever saw it around the 2,000 mark. I've seen screenshots of it up around the 17,000 mark, uh, 17,000 people viewing. When I talked to Dave Prodan about this a while ago, he was explaining that the stream is regional because they sell ads based on regional ads. Yes. So 
that viewer, the number that you're viewing is just kind of what's being viewed in your region. But I forgot to ask him, how do you define a region? Does that mean this is all of the US watching this stream? Does it mean that it's just me in Orange County and the stream that Scott is watching has a different number on did, it down what in kind San of Diego? Ads did you see? Did you see ads for like Joe's tattoo parlor no. in Huntington just down the no. street from your home? <laughs> wallet chain retailer <laughs> down off of Main Street. Like, uh, no, I saw Jeep ads. I saw the same ads right, I always see, okay. you know, so. So you're questioning whether it is regional. I think, I think it is regional because let's get real. If we have more podcast listeners than they have viewers on the WSL, that doesn't make sense. Right. So they have more viewers than we have listeners. So there's definitely more than, let's say, the 2,000 number that I'm seeing. That is a regional number. But is it, I want to know, is that 2,000? all of America? Is it all of California? Is it all of Orange County? Something that might help to solve this, this problem or this mystery. The comments on your screen, were they regional based or were you getting commentary from Brazilians and from South Africans? I did not. I shut off the comments. On the that might be a was, way to determine, though, right? That well, makes tons so of sense. If you're only getting commentary from Huntington Beach. It's funny you say that. Uh, Derek Riley posted something about this, and he said he clicked on how many people were viewing. It wasn't even comments. I think it was just you can click on the number of viewers. Yes. And the names that popped up. I'll just read the names, and you tell me. He's in Australia. Right. Fatima Ati, Lawson Badar, Galen, Galena Smith, J.D., Drew Waddle, Ralph Jacobson, Pedro Dazel Mendoza, Mustafa Alayu. So like, well, look, there's a lot of Mustafas and a lot of Muhammads in Asia, and maybe they, maybe that Australian, it's oceanic, Asian, yeah, Oceanica, Oceanica, yeah, or, or Oceana, or yeah, Oceana? anyway, yeah. that basically Southeast Asia to Australia zone. And in, even, I don't know. So that's the question. Even if it is that. Even if it's all of that zone and the number is 17,000, that's not very many. It's still low. Yeah. Or maybe those Mustafa actually lives in Australia. There's a lot of Mustafa. Well, you, you know. you, like it could be, although it doesn't seem like it. You right. seem like you'd, you'd see some more. So it's all, I think that it isn't, I think the viewers, I think ultimately when I kind of process all the information, the number is lower than we would expect it to be. It's not as low as 17,000 or 2,000. But it's lower than we would all expect it to be. I don't know that they could get a million people to give them 60 bucks a year. That's what Based I'm on that, yeah. You would think if they had a number they were proud of, they would announce it. And there would be transparency behind right. the announcement. And it all, I agree. Because and that would only benefit you as a company. You go, look, I got 30 million viewers. Here's, the, here's proof. Let me show you. But surfing has a long history of this exact thing. You worked for Surfer Magazine. How many issues did they print? I can't tell you. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. But you can't, I can't. because no, no. it's embarrassing, there's, there's, right? They audited circulation, and it dwindled as, we, you know, as time sure. went on. I think in their prime, they might have had 30,000 subscribers. That's shockingly low. Yeah. And that's they, in their prime. It, but, I mean, by the 1999, 2000, 2005, right. it dwindled quickly to like 10,000. That's why they all closed up shop. And but they tell advertisers, well, that magazine gets passed around, so like you can multiply it by ten. Ten exactly. people see every magazine, yeah. so we're going to sell you ad space based on a hundred thousand pass along rate. Pass along. So th this is a long. 
if the WSL is running into this problem, it's not a surprise. We know that this is true, which I think is why they didn't do the subscription model. That's why they went to Facebook. Well, they had they to go, build up to yeah. 30 million to then get 5% yeah. of that. Exactly, exactly. Here's an interesting comment I found on BeachGrit, which I think it, it's actually the, <laughs> for the BeachGrit comments section, this is incredibly erudite. Frank says, here's the fundamental irony of this whole Facebook thing. A passion surfing based on freedom in every sense of the word is corporatized at the highest and most international level by a private company. As long as the WSL is a for private company, commercialization will always come first. A radical idea is to turn it into a non-profit but private organization, run it purely for the benefit of athletes and members, that's you and I. Decisions are to be made by both the board and the surfers representatives, a democracy. Is that too, land too outlandish an idea? And I don't think it is if this whole WSL thing, this basically this experiment that we're living in, turn sour, the potential for a nonprofit running this whole deal, this whole idea of professional surfing seems kind of interesting. I, I think it's very interesting and I think it is, there's a lot of cues of um, in the general kind of pop culture space of people who have had a lot of success doing that and maybe not from a pro nonprofit uh, angle or business just formation, but the most popular things nowadays have super small, loyal, devout followers. Game of Thrones doesn't have the same number of viewers that Love Sopranos. Boat. No, that Love Boat had Love in Boat. the seventies. Yeah. And Love, hey, Love Boat, Boat was good. Sucked. No, no, no Love it's Boat was terrible. Good. No, no, you're wrong. Love Boat. <laughs> Game of Thrones is infinitely more not cinematic. True. No. Come on. Love Boat. Come on. <laughs> okay, no, you're right. No, Game of, of Thrones is infinitely is. more cinematic, yeah. more story development, yes. better acting, better yes. everything. And it gets a fraction of the viewership that Love Boat had. M music artists, it's like you don't need 100 million viewers and followers. You need a super devout fan base that you cater to. But if you, you're the next NFL, you do. That's, I think that is wrong. I, I don't I'm just think saying that's the their NFL. That's their model is to is to get this global audience. I know that's the model. I think it might be the wrong pursuit. The more the more we kind of watch it unfold, it might be the wrong pursuit. Unfortunately, they're hugely invested. The wave pool thing, you know, is one of those efforts and that's a huge investment. So they gotta, I mean, the chips are on the table. They gotta continue moving forward. Or- Plus there, there's not too many kids that are on Facebook. Mike's no, son doesn't exactly. go near. He doesn't even know what Facebook is. People don't even know what Facebook is. Yeah, it's for old it guys. Yeah, they know what it is, but they know they know to go nowhere near it. I don't. Yeah, it's I mean, like I'm, driving your dad's Toyota Camry. They're like, "What? I'm not driving that thing." Taurus. <laughs> By the way, getting back to the Brazil thing, real quick, one note that was yeah. stuck in my head. Remember, I said, "What if we had regions and we had certain?" Yeah. I. How about this? How about so that we can have all regions engaged? from a national perspective, and you can tell already you don't like this, we have a certain, we cap a certain amount of surfers from every region. So there's allowed to be five surfers from Australia, five surfers from Brazil, five surfers from Europe, five surfers from Hawaii, and five surfers from the US mainland. And maybe five other, so we can get South Africans and the like in. 
Now we've got what? We got, I think I mentioned, I think that's 30 or 25 surfers. And, and we have nation states, we have regions, which I think the World Cup would prove out that's pretty compelling. People like to root for their zone. This was the Founders Cup. Founders Cup idea. That's what they did there. But this is what the, this is what the CT would be based upon. Right. Like we would put this limit, if you will, or this filter yeah. on the CT. No good? Do you think five Brazilians isn't? I think five Brazilians. I mean, we get the best five. That's insane to watch. Yeah, we're gonna get I, all the guys we want to see. I'd rather just watch the best surfers in the world compete. And if it's right. that means there's twenty Brazilians at the top, then so be it. This happened watch. with Formula One. I understand that Brazil started to dominate Formula One, and Formula One died off. There's nobody in the U.S. that gives a crap about Formula One racing. I mean, there's a few. My point is. It's never going to be where it maybe was at one point when, like, Mario Andretti or whoever the hell was dominating. Um, there's and, a- the, and, and Formula One put a cap. They put a filter. They did something to tweak it so that the Brazilians wouldn't dominate. And really? I don't know what that is, but I read that in a comment section. But there was no elaboration of what kind of um, governor they put on Formula One racing so that they would limit the amount of Brazilians. But right. Formula One racing, and, and that's got to scare you if you're the WSL and you're, like, trying to yeah. build a fan base and trying to get sponsors to buy in. Like, it's turned into a Brazilian thing. There's a phenomenal documentary. Do you worry about that? No, I don't worry about it at all. I, Not you as a fan. You as a, right. as, as a fan of the WSL. Could the WSL <laughs> just become a Brazilian thing? Like Formula I, One? No, did. I think it go, it's, goes in cycles. They don't dominate in perpetuity forever from that point on they do that the u.s and australia goes crap we got to invest in the youth and like contest format for kids and blah 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 and then we come back and do it five years from now you know what i mean so what's the documentary documentary on netflix called fearless and it's about the uh pbr bull riding association oh yeah the brazilians are dominating same exact thing brazilian storm in the pbr thing yes and it's a beautifully made documentary series i think there's like six episodes or whatever what was it called again fearless fearless and then on netflix yeah okay by the way your whole setup for today's show is about a category six storm that we've never seen the likes of before that is the brazilian storm analogy right there we've never seen the likes of this before and they're coming up well the winds are 230 miles per hour right now i mean yeah i am praying that we get eight foot chopo and quite frankly i would love it if felipe toledo made it to the quarterfinals and beyond and proved his chops because he won't he but wouldn't it be great like i would love to be proven wrong here yep but i i want a world champion that's friggin like I know he's not going to be like Andy Irons, but a charge as hard as Kai Otten. Charge. Dude, I don't know why you keep bringing up Kai because Otten. He's because, the worst example. No, that's, no he's the best because he's no. so because you would never want him to be world champion, but you'd rather him be world champion than Philippe Toledo be world You want a four-foot I, I mean, you I want a kiddie pool? Use Taj. Use Taj as an example. At okay. least that's respectable. Taj ripped. Yeah, but Kai Otten. Kai's a better example because he's only good in big waves. My point is, no, I'd rather not. have a. I've never seen him. I've seen him serve barreling waves. I've never seen my him point serve is, YMA. Okay, grab, grab an Australian that's not going to be like airborne guy at the four foot kiddie pool, but it's going to charge massive waves. Julian that's, Wilson. I would. Re- well, he does the airs too. And he Julian, does all of it. Okay, that's Julian my point. is he a good does example. Everything. Right. Julian isn't a good example. You're right. Yeah. He's a great example. But I wanted a guy that didn't do the aerials. Because my point is, I'd rather have a guy that charged. I'd rather have Billy Kemper as my world champion than. Does Billy Kemper do airs? 
Not really. He's not known in for the it. olden days. So my point is, you get my point. Yeah. I would rather have a charger that I know, like I can look to and go, that guy friggin', char- I can count you're, on that guy when it's twenty foot. You're you're already confusing your own point. Your no, own, I'm not. Your own point was for him to be the most complete, which means he needs to do airs but if and you can't wide have air. that. If no, I'm you gonna can. get, why not? No, but I'm saying if Philippe fails at Chopu and fails at big waves, but is our world champion. He is not complete. And I would rather have a guy that fails at the aerials, okay. but I can count okay. on in the big waves. And my Kayotin was just a grab. I just grabbed him. Big, big waves are more important than airs. Don't you think? Don't you think if you're going to look to a world champion and your dad's going to go, hey, yeah, so how's he doing the big stuff? You go, oh, he's afraid. I think it's all equal. I think they're equally important. You're soft and you're from Huntington. It is. It's exactly reflective of that. I don't have big waves locally. There's no opportunities for me to even pursue that. Sure there so is. So that's you not go what to I'm Totos. With. Just saying. It's a lot less relatable. It's. I think doing John John-esque airs is as unrelatable as what uh, J- Shane Dorian does at Jaws for me. Those things are equally unrelatable. So if we could have one or the other, you would rather take the guy that does no. incredible airs. Equal. equal. No, but I'm saying... I'm saying you can't. You have to choose. You have to choose right now. Do you want a man to be your world champion or do you want a kid? <laughs> First of all, that's not even a fair. That's way you're putting way too much of your own personal editorial on that statement. It doesn't make him less it's of a, a man for doing a big air. It's a simple question. No. Do you want a guy that can paddle out at 25 foot jaws as my world champ and compete, mm. catch waves and be like frothing about it? Or do you want uh, a guy that okay. can rip Lamore? I'm, I want to just. I want to defy whatever you're saying, no matter what. But I'm trying to remove <laughs> myself. From, I'm going to remove myself good from you. that. That makes good. Pie. No, but I'm going to remove myself from it and answer your question as kind of a representative of the sport and what the sport should be about and all that. I'd rather have a guy stroking into a 30 foot wave at Jaws as the representative than somebody doing an air at the U.S. Open. Yes. Right. Yes. But. Julian Wilson can do both. I agree. And the pressure, I guess you could say the pressure is on Julian maybe more than it is Philippe. But I hope it's pumping Chopu, and I think it will be. If anything, like leading, like the, the way the Southern Hemisphere has been acting early on here this season, we could get some really good Tahiti. I think yeah. the event starts August 10th. Okay. Well, and we've got – I've got one more point about Felipe going into Tahiti before we start wrapping up the show. Uh, Michael C., Mikey C. on Stab – wrote a piece about him saying that um, questioning whether or not Felipe should compete in the U.S. Open, basically. Like, Felipe's plan right now, before Chopes, is to go back to Brazil, introduce the in-laws to his newborn son, then go to Huntington and compete in the U.S. Open, then go to Chopu. And Mikey C. is saying, hey, you have a world title on the line. You're number one in the world. Go visit your family. That's fine. Don't go to the U.S. Open. Go spend a month in Tahiti. Or not a month, but like three, two or three weeks. In Tahiti, getting experience, surfing those swells before the event. You need practice out there and your world title is on the line. Because if you botch it there and give Gabriel room, to like it's a bad move. Business decision, go get that world title. So what are your thoughts on that? I think that makes tons of sense. The first thing that came to my mind is don't get injured. At the U.S. Open or something? No, practicing for Chopu. You know, because what a what an easy out for him. Oh, I got injured. Sorry. I can't. Yeah, I think Mikey C presents an interesting point. 
I'll be honest, after I kind of processed it, I don't think it matters at all. I think Gabe could go spend a month at Chopes trying his best, and Gabriel will shut him down, and Julian will shut him down. I don't think Gabe can improve that much in that short a period of time to even compete with guys that he's vying for a title against. However, I think this world title will come down to individual heats. And it'll probably come down to individual waves surfed at the end of the year. So if he can advance through one additional heat at Chopu, if he can make it to round three instead of round two, that might factor into the math at the end of the year. So based on that, it's worth going and getting a bit of extra practice in. He's not going to win the event with that practice, but he might make one additional heat. He might get an eight when he needed a six. Will and it that o- might. Will it only take one wave of Felipe's at large Chopu where he charges and he goes, you know what, he sacked up. And maybe he didn't advance, but he sacked up. He charged. No. Is that going to be enough? And then he wins the world title. Will the caveat, will the asterisk still be on his world title? Yeah, he, unless that if he one. he charges at Pipe and charges at Chopu but doesn't advance. Unless that one wave is the Corey Lopez wave from right. cover shot or right. like some one of the Andy some waves. Yeah. Then maybe, but I don't think just getting like one big score out there will do it. Because the thing is you're going to see Gabriel get 30 of them. The end of the year, who's who's going to be standing above those three? Gabe, Italo, and Felipe of the Brazilian storm that are Gabe. striking lightning. Gabriel, I think Gabe. He always he always has super strong back half of the year. It makes sense. So, what about Kelly Slater just poo pooing Parco's retirement with that announcement? That was just. I mean, that's. That puts a little bit of a, a blemish on Kelly's character. On my love for Kelly. Do you think Kel- so Kelly? So just lacking class. Now he he went out and gave apologized. this like apology, which I wonder if he would have done it if he hadn't got received so much backlash about dude. Come on. His apology. The same so, day, right? He announced yeah, his yeah. retirement the same day he as Parco. He was in the booth with the commentary team, and they asked him about the Parco thing. And he goes, yeah, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm in that headspace, too, and I think I'm going to retire at the end of 2019. So I don't... So it wasn't like a PR it statement. Wasn't a it was PR just statement. a It was a flow of consciousness when he was in discussion. Which and makes sense. Kelly's very honest, and he, he he, is, which we love about but him. But he's so also, Maybe I'm taking this back. No, he's also savvy enough to know that that's going to create a headline. Oh, so he so is I think, being a grabber. I think a little bit. Here's what I like to envision in my own scenario in my well, head. Yes. Is that he and Fanning had a, or he and Parco had a private conversation. And Parco's like, and they said, yeah, we're, I'm bo- we're both thinking about retiring. Okay, well, here's our bet. Who can finish 2018 on a higher, higher in the rankings? Kelly, you're coming off of injuries. I'm going to trounce you. Like, I'm going to beat you. All that matters is 2018. I'm retiring at the end of the year. So all that matters is who finishes better at 2018. So they bet on that. Then Parco went and announced his retirement. And Kelly thought, I'm going to get in his head. Just so I can beat him this year in the rankings, I'm going to get in his head and overshadow his retirement the, speech. All the injuries don't make sense, though, that... There's no way Kelly can beat Parco based on his injuries, right? He's got like he's only been in like two events, maybe one event. I don't know. I'll tell you what the ranking is right now. He's like Parco's twenty. Parco's twenty four, and like Kelly is thirty six. Yeah. So and is one the he's one, only event, had one event that's true, and it was a twenty fifth. Yeah, like that's why that doesn't. What make if he? Sense. But what if he wins Chopes and he wins Pipe? Yeah, but my point is, is that he's not going to go for headspace domination. 
that far back. Like if he was kind of close to him, I think may I don't know. But that's again, like that's to, just total. That's what I like to think happens. Yeah, and they both had chop pops when they were discussing. Come on, dude. Um, so that Parco, by the way, is my Duke. By the year. way, Parco, eighteen years on tour. Oh, he's 12, your Duke. Twelve event wins, four runner-up places, three triple crowns, which is crazy. Two perfect heats, one world title. So, Parco, congratulations on an amazing career, which has spanned almost my entire circuit. Only experience. one world title, underperform or overperform? Under. You by how argue. many? By one title, by two titles? Yeah, let's, I'll, I'd say by one title. He should have two. He should have two. Mick has three, he should have two. Um, Chaz Smith, your co-host on The Grit, banned from Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, and Chaz is probably the the greatest protagonist for the WSL. Antag antagonist, antagonist yeah. excuse me, antagonist. Thoughts on this? This seems like a big story. This seems like... I haven't talked to him about it this yet. Seems he seems like, like he's spinning out of control. It seems to me that he has the right to. I think it's kind of lame. I envision... Now, have granted, you followed his new account? Yes, on Twitter? No, oh. on Instagram. It's at Surf Journalist. And he's writing... It's he's like, writing a story. No, right? it's like he has a stylus pen on like a <laughs> Samsung Galaxy. You know, you can like write notes and it yeah. looks all scribbled like a kid's handwriting. Yeah. He's doing that and then posting an image and it'll be like... The words will be like, um, the WSL is very mad at me. And he'll post that. And then five minutes later, be like, I'm mad at the WSL. And then he'll draw a picture it's of a wiener if he and then post that. If he types, their algorithm can pick up his exactly. words. But if you use a stylus and scribble, they don't know what it is. They just think it's art. Yeah, maybe. I think that might be but it. But it's like he's spinning out of control. Like, I'm watching good. it. It's, I'm envisioning... An in-control jazz is bad. An out-of-control jazz is good. <laughs> I'm envisioning him like in a wife beater with bottles strewn about in a darkly lit room with like a meat a stain of like a meatball on his shirt cigarette butts around and he's just <laughs> frantically hammering these things out you know like because it's it so looks good. crazy but i i haven't talked to him because i want to let it like build and that's um, great yeah but the instagram I think, I think it was because he was promoting cocaine usage or so they say because his book is cocaine and surfing so he's like posting uh, a bunch of cocaine related posts uh, and then i think they were like oh this is promoting illegal drug usage and they shut him down but he had 188,000 followers when they shut him down you don't think that he um that that the wsl and facebook and their connection with instagram and all of that had anything to do with this they could have you don't think they just He's used seen, the cocaine and surfing maybe. as an easy, oh, you know what? This is why we did it. Maybe. Because I think they can thumb anyone. They can find a reason to shut anyone down. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it very well could be that. I mean, all you got to do is report him a bunch of times. Yeah. Like, uh, get a bunch of your friends to report. But even if, if you have connections with Facebook, yeah. you don't even need to do that. Right. You're, if you're at the WSL I, and see, I, you're a corpo guy there, you can just call up I think Zuckerberg's the, people and go, hey, man, this guy is ruining our scene and you and I are in bed together. Is, no, he isn't, though. That's my point is I don't think the WSL is that dumb. Like, they're savvy enough to know Let he's only drawing attention to the WSL. Yeah. Anytime he slings mud, it only elevates their awareness and everything. Right. So I don't... I Although think he that, does get... He does get I would. He borders on getting personal with some of them in a cheeky way. Never has he ever. I, I've never seen him personally say anything negative about. Not Sophie negative. Just or, no. Definitely not Sophie or Dave. Well, Graham Stapleberg, maybe. 
Yeah, maybe. There's probably Is, some there personal stuff. I don't know, but you know, I mean, he wrote about him in that other book, and I don't know. I'm just, I just he definitely wondered. told it stories just seems, that they would have preferred not being told. It, yeah, and it seems just too close. Like it's too. It just seems like. I don't know, man. I think everybody needs to rise above and recognize that there's no such thing as bad publicity. Unfortunately, individuals will get their feelings hurt, and maybe Stapleberg's one of them, where once they start talking about you, it does sting, and you have to kind of assess. It's hard to remove yourself at that point and see the bigger picture of this many mentions equals this many more viewers and likes and all that stuff. Well, if you have 188,000 people and you're kind of the antagonist of the WSL and you're a vice president of the WSL, you just feel like you're getting attacked constantly, 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 and 188,000 people are watching it. Right. At some point, that's got to be painful. It is. Personally, it is. But again, the bigger picture, the business picture is, man, this person with a lot of influence is driving a lot of attention to our website and to our Instagram account constantly. So it's then their job to make sure that those people become viewers of the content. Well, my musty moment is when the England plays Croatia in the, the semifinals of the FIFA World Cup. I've been engaged. I've been watching. Have it. you really? Oh yeah. Good. Good. Awesome. It's been fun. Uh, by the way, Scott, remember I told you we were going to talk about Namibia later in is the show. Is this where you terrorize the shit out of me? <laughs> I do. Should I put a dollar in the cuss jar? You should actually. That's the first buck this show. Um, so, listener Bo emails and he's like, Oh, Bo. Bo, a native Namibian, oh, you didn't appreciate you your pronunciation of Namibia. Namibia? And he said, please let Scott know that he butchered my country's name. And then he sent this audio for you and I to listen to on air. <laughs> I need this. Thank you, I Bo. should have queued this up. Hold Thank on. You, Spare I'm with glad. me one second. Um, the, the problem is, Scott. Namibia. Okay. Namibia. You ready? Yes. Scott, it's pronounced Namibia. Namibia. And not Nambia, like your commander-in-chief so elegantly put it. Like your commander-in-chief Bo, Bo so sounds elegant. like an imperialist, a colonizer. I'm, <laughs> I'm calling you out, Bo. So, Get out of that country. He is. I think he's living in, I forget if he's at England or China working. But anyway, uh, the problem is we mispronounce things all the time. I know. But the problem for you with this scenario is yes. Trump I know. had given a speech where he also mispronounced it. The same exact mispronunciation as you. Yes. And so I think that the listeners thought that you were learning how to pronounce countries' names based on watching Trump's speeches. Wow, that's a stretch. And you got lumped in no. with that. So um, I'm I, way more liberal than that. I, by the way, vote libertarian. All right. Well, our good buddy Rainbow. And I hate Trump. Oh, there you go. I'm so for anybody who is in it, Trump's an idiot. Right. I mean, like just real quick. I just think just from this one, this one concept. Do you want your world leader to be smart? Yes. Me too. Yeah. That eliminates Trump. <laughs> I well, would love it if he was smart. I would love it to say my president's smart, but he's not. Yeah. He's it an is, idiot. It is a problem. Um, so you know, Rainbow, do you want your world leader to be a misogynist? No. Me either. That's kind of a simple, like, that's not a very bar, high bar to jump over, is it? No, not at all. Me either. Um, you know our buddy Rainbow? Rainbow! Sends the best emails. He jumped, I think he, <laughs> I I think he terrorized once, me already. I think once you 
uh, got lumped in with Trump, rightly or wrongly, he just lost it. And so this is just a quote from uh, Rainbow. He said he went on a rant first, basically saying there's no coming back from this mistake, Scott, and then said, quote, you are now shipwrecked on the skeleton coast by fake news with no board. As you might tell, when I heard this and I went into absolute apoplectic, I was so agitated, I went five minutes quicker on the same bike ride from the day before uh, based on hearing Scott's blunder. But this faux pas finally exhibits an absolute surfing truthism. Scott doesn't go left, ever. Because Namibia is known for the big left. Well, I think the, it means that that was more of a political, like a, a, a partisan yeah. statement. Yeah. Of course. A but... Interesting thing is, these guys know more about Trump than I do. I don't I ever. I hate like whenever he's on TV, I turn it off. And I, I any, I don't. I'm so like disappointed. Yeah. In in our leadership. Yeah. You know? I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat or Me whoever, neither. but just for God's sakes, how about some love and tolerance? Yeah. That's not too much to ask, is it? It is not, Scott. That's right, David. That coming from Scott. Wow. The anti-Brazilian, anti-women surfing <laughs> love and tolerance speech comes I'm, out at the end of the show. I love watching the greatest surfers in the world. Felipe was exactly. insane, and I want him to do well at 8 to 10 foot Chopu. I hope he does. And he's a great human. We'll be watching. And Idolo as well. we'll now, Gabby is a different story. He wears the dark hat. We want to see him almost get there and then fail, because I'm rooting for... By the way, let's call him Phil from now on instead of Felipe. No, I got hate email about your pronunciation of uh, Felipe as Felipe. well. Is it yeah. Felipe? Felipe's Felipe. pizza? Felipe. Felipe. How about so Phil? says the Brazilian who emailed me about this subject. Yes. Uh, Felipe is what they were saying. Should you and I just call him Phil from now on? Philly cheesesteak. Phil, holy Toledo. <laughs> There's nothing more uh, Midwestern than that. All right, dude, I'm sweating. Okay, yes. Uh, Scott, we gotta go. you're at Boardroom Show and the Boardroom Show podcast, Scott Anderson episode from Channel Islands. That's right, Dig and I've in. yet to interview Chaz. I can't wait to do it because it seems like we're going to get him at a really good time. Hopefully, I can get to him soon, and Chris Christensen is on the docket as well. Good. All right, Scott, spitpodcast.com. Everything we discussed in this show, visit, check that out. Yes, and until next time, adios and aloha. This world is big and wild and half insane Take me where real animals are playing Just a dirty old shack With a hand of bark That we called our Bye.
take your weary animals up 